Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Stray explores what it means to live as a being without status or security following three strays as they embark on an inconspicuous journey through Turkish society. Zayden, fiercely independent, embarks on adventures through the city at night. Nazar, nurturing and protective, easily befriends the humans around her. And Kartal, a shy puppy living on the outskirts of a construction site, finds companions in the security guards who care for her. The film is called Stray, and it is a, a terrific, wonderful film. And we are joined today by the director, and that would be Elizabeth Lowe. Elizabeth, welcome to Film School Radio. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed this, and uh, I know that this is sort of a, was kind of a personal project. But what inspired you to do what you did, which is follow these uh, these very interesting dogs around Istanbul? Yeah, um, it came from, a, as you said, it came from a very personal place. I had a childhood dog growing up who passed away. And I remember at the time, I felt this need to sort of suppress my grief at his passing because he wasn't a human family member. Um, maybe that's something people can relate to. But that really led me to question sort of the hierarchies of status that we uh, impose on different beings, depending on their species. And so I actually wanted to do a global study of stray dogs around the world um, to see how their status as the same species changes in different cultural contexts. And over the course of my research, I discovered Turkey and this incredible relationship history and current relationship that they have with stray dogs, which led me there. And then once I found Zaytun and Nazar, the, I decided to set the whole film there and center the entire narrative around their lives and all the people that they encountered. You know, what's interesting about Istanbul, and I learned this from a previous documentary on wild cats in Istanbul, Keti, the name of that film. Yeah. And that is because the Turks were such a seafaring society, or at least mm -hmm. were the center of a lot of trade over hundreds of years. Yeah. You get this wide variety of animals, cats and dogs, that have become yeah. part of the landscape for this city. It's a beautiful, it's beautiful in so many ways. I mean, they've they brought in cats and dogs from all over the world. Is that mm -hmm. is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, completely. And under the Ottomans in the Ottoman Empire, stray dogs and stray cats thrived. Um, but unlike the history of cats, where I don't believe they were persecuted, um, dogs were very much mm. persecuted um, when uh, Turkey was trying to westernize and trying to conform to Western ideals of what a civilized quote unquote city is like New York and London, you don't see stray animals anywhere. Um, but it was really the people and their deep relationship to stray animals that fought and protested for the rights of stray dogs to live and to roam freely throughout the city. And it was in 2004 when they passed these incredibly radical laws. I can't even imagine them being passed in the US where you're not allowed to kill or euthanize any stray dog and you're not allowed to even hold them in captivity if they're healthy, which I was really struck by. Was that of an effort to be included in the EU? Was that why Turkey sort of imposed those laws to, to begin with? You said to no. be, oh no, it wasn't. That's another old no, thing. No, 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 because the, I, think, I think most of Western Europe 
does destroy their stray animals and kills them on a regular basis, just like the U.S. Oh, I'm, no, I'm talking about the effort to rid the streets of them. That's oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think it, I don't know if it had to do with the EU, but over the last century, like they okay. have. Tried oh, OK, to so it goes farther I back. Think it was, I think it's more sort of like a Western ideal of what a modern city should gotcha. look like gotcha. and trying to conform to that. And also, I don't know if you want me to get into this. It was in the 1900s as the Ottoman Empire was crumbling that a British diplomat came to Istanbul and he was chased by a pack of dogs, fell to his own death. And the British government in outsized retaliation forced the Turkish one to round up all their stray animals and banish them to an island where they would starve to death. And so all the dogs could be heard howling and Istanbulites could hear their howls as they were dying. And then shortly afterwards, huge fires broke out, World War I happened. And so Istanbulites see the exiling of the dogs as a curse on Istanbul and Turkey. And so over the next hundred years, even as the government was trying to get rid of the dogs, the people always held on to the belief that the dogs were integral to their the soul of the, of the city. Thank you. That is an amazing story. Yeah. Wow. That and you know this is just goes back to one other thing. And I, I I'm kind of obsessed with this idea: the collapse of the Ottoman Empire, World War One. I. I feel like we're still dealing with the uh, ramifications of World War One to this day. The collapse of the Ottoman Empire and the impact yeah. it's had on the Middle East. The the British just sort of dividing ran, randomly, haphazardly dividing up yeah. the Middle East has had yeah, a yeah. huge huge impact to this day on the world. Yeah. We and maybe it's a metaphor, but like when the British were forcing the uh, the Ottomans to get rid of all their stray dogs, the, the French would come in and start to like have logs of like, what could they use all the dog body parts for, the fur? They were, you know, commodifying the, their bodies and seeing the world and all its beings in this really capitalist, hyper-capitalist way. And it, it's my belief that the more capitalistic a society is, the less tolerance you have for stray dogs because we have tolerance in the US for pets because they're property. But if you're a stray dog, you're not property and you also don't contribute to society in terms of you know jobs because you don't work. And so there's no tolerance for them. Wow. Um, yeah. wow. Well, what was just sort of the first step you took in terms of documenting uh, these dogs? What, did you meet Zayton first or how, how did that sort of, what was the beginning of this journey for you? Um, we were, Zeynep Kapralu, my co-producer, Istanbul-based co-producer and I were wandering through Istanbul looking for dogs to film with and we were in a busy underground tunnel and we saw two huge dogs streak past us and they looked like they were, you know, had some place to go. And so we were really intrigued, like where could stray dogs, what appointments do stray dogs have to keep? And they were on the heels of the young Syrian men whose relationship with them I was really moved by, that the young men found in the dogs a sense of home and belonging despite being displaced. And then in Zayton, I think the reason why Zayton emerged as a star was because she was actually one of the only dogs who was so stubborn and so independent that she didn't end up following us back in the way that a lot of other dogs we filmed with who bonded with us would do. So she fulfilled sort of the promise of the film, which is where does a dog's will take you? You know, not my will as a human or as a storyteller, where does a non-human will, where, what adventures did they take you on? And that would be what the film was about. And she enabled us to do that because she was so independent. Yeah, that's great. Though the three young men that you mentioned were, are, I assume, I'm going to guess from what they said in the film, are refugees from Syria. 
and yeah. they were so displaced refugees from from a war-torn country in Istanbul. In terms of illuminating society, because that's what a lot of the film is about, illuminating Turkish mm -hmm. society, how did they play into what you were, what the film ended up essentially being about? I think at the time that I was there, at least, it would have been impossible to make a film about stray dogs and authentically follow their lives uh, without including sort of the presence of refugees and young men uh, living on the streets of Istanbul. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's natural to the story of a stray dog that they are going to encounter a lot of marginalized populations because stray dogs by their nature are not allowed into private spaces. And so as they're occupying public spaces, they're meeting other populations who are either relegated to those public spaces, like the refugees or homeless people, or are having to take to the streets like the women on the marches or are making a living like a as a musician or a busker on the side of the streets. I see a lot of parallels in the precarity of any subgroup of a society, whether it's stray dogs or refugees or women. Overnight, the status of those groups can change. Any group that's powerless in some way. At the time that I was filming, I actually see a lot of warmth in how Turkish people treated the refugees and also, of course, the dogs. And I think there's a connection there. A culture that is embracing stray animals and tolerant of stray animals has also opened their doors to a lot of people in need who are coming across the border in a way that most of Western Europe doesn't and hypocritically points their finger at Turkey for, for not doing enough. Yeah, and, and even in Turkey, what I was really struck by at the time that I was filming, at least maybe things have changed. The refugee issue was never a political issue that politicians on the right or the left could sort of leverage to to get people either on their side or not, because it was an issue. Like I would ask a lot of Turkish people, how do you feel about refugees coming into your city? And they would say, there are brothers in need. Of course, there's not enough infrastructure support for them there. And there's a lot of problems and there's a lot of political reasons for, for why governments are allowing them in, in Turkey. But from a cultural standpoint, I was really amazed. I think you point to something that at least my limited experience, or my understanding of Turkey, it's a very complex society. First of all, you mentioned the Ottoman Empire, which was a very wide, the, the influence and the, the boundaries of the Ottoman Empire were across Asia, Africa, yeah. Europe. So it was, and it's really it, ge geographically really at the crossroads of so much of the world in terms of commerce and culture and religions, all of those things are very much a part of the Turkish tradition. And there, yeah. it's a hard, it's a very difficult for me as a Westerner outsider to really put my finger on anything specific about the country. I don't know a lot of the specifics about the country. It just seems very complex to me. Yeah. And, but, but I have to say from making this film, Istanbul is one of my favorite cities by far. It's so dynamic. There's, I don't, it's just, when you're there, you, f you feel full of life because I think partly because they integrate um, this such a warm culture. When I would be filming, like waiters would just bring me cups of tea and, and set it on the sidewalk or on the pavement just to be hospitable to me as an, as an outsider. And that was really remarkable to me. Probably romanticizing Turkey a lot because of course it has a lot of problems. Yeah. But as somebody who spent many, many months there over years, I 
I'm really struck. Well, and that plays out in the in the relationship, as you alluded to, the relationship they have with these strays. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to remind our listeners we're talking with the director of this wonderful documentary film called Stray. It has won a number of awards, and the film has been nominated for Best uh, Documentary Film for the Spirit Awards, which is some people call the alternative Oscars. Uh, it is a, it's some of the coolest films you, you will see all year are the ones that end up in the Spirit Awards. So I'll leave it there. That's it. Congratulations on that. Uh, your particular um, filmography has, a, there are, there's a number of, of the, it, the things that t- you touch on in Stray in terms of animals, the relationship between humans and animals. It's been part of your filmography, certainly an area of interest. And I do want to talk more specifically about Stray, but I, I'm, I'm curious sort of where this all developed. Does this go back to the, when you were young and the death of the of your dog? and Or is there more to it than that? I think I truly believe that sort of animal rights and fighting to expand our moral consideration beyond our own species is one of the great fights the next social justice frontier. And it's incredible how long it takes people to realize what's wrong with the world. I mean, we're still dealing with, you know, racism. So I don't know how much hope I hold out for the fight against speciesism, but I do think racism, speciesism and sexism and all these forms of discrimination are all interconnected. And they're all based on arbitrary patterns of discrimination based on difference. And I think they're really destructive to the world. And so I want to make films that challenge those narratives that are dominant, that are destroying our planet and also people and other beings that are in it. I couldn't agree more. I'm with you. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That is the next frontier. There have been a couple of documentaries about this sort of relationship between animals and um, humans. I know that Gunda has gotten an awful lot of attention this year. There was a film a few years ago called, and I probably will butcher the way I say it, Bestiaire. It's a French film. Yeah, Bestiaire. Yeah, Bestiaire. Is that the more, I'm sorry. I knew I was going to do it. Yeah, I think I that, yeah, that sounds right. Bestiaire, which was terrific. I love, these are films that are just, uh, they're very quiet. This is this film. It's very quiet. It's a very much, uh, you're along for the ride in terms of just how you, we watched the interaction between Zaytan, Nazar, and Kartal. I really felt for uh, Kartal Zari in that she just looked lost and she looked like she was just so, in a way, terrified of what had happened. Yeah, that was one of the great ethical dilemmas during production. Do we intervene? We took it very seriously. Like, But then we also wondered, what role do we have? And why is it that Kartal's needs would be prioritized over the boys' needs who are also young and displaced? And what would it mean for us to take a puppy away from the young men who had worked so hard to acquire her? And so we, we before we could make a decision on what to do, uh, the police intervene. And we okay. never find out what happens to Sari again um, or Kartal again. And so that's one of my profound regrets that we were paralyzed by thinking about all the potentials of what was right and what was wrong. I, while I was watching the film, I had that same thought. I wondered if you you must have had to really struggle and wrestle with that. Even with uh, Satan, she looks to be a little wounded. At, you know, she got she got into I don't want to give it too much away, but she gets into a bit of a fight with a, a couple of dogs. She looked a little wounded at that point in the film, and I'm sure this must have been very difficult for you and your crew to sort of figure out how do we. How do we go from here? And 
Yeah, I mean, whenever if she was ever in like real danger, I think we would we would yeah. step in. There were moments in when it looked like Cartel was really suffering that we encouraged the young men to take Cartel to a vet, which they did. They had relationships, pre-existing relationships with vets in the city who would provide free service to the dogs that were part of their pack. Good. Um, so there were yeah a lot of moments like that. Although I feel like Zaytan, she's like a survivor and really strong and resilient. And it's a testament to the society that she comes from that between 2018 and 2019 of filming, there was one and a half years where I wasn't there and I was able to find her again. Most people told me, you know, the stray dog in the city of so many, it's going to be dead for sure. Because I think that's our conception yeah. of how yeah. stray dogs live. But she was well when I returned. And, and so she's a walking testament, I think, to human mercy of Turkish people, but also non-human resilience. Wow. Well, this is such a life-affirming. Thank you. Thank you for all of this. I mean, this has been a fantastic conversation about animal rights, our relationship to animals, this beautiful city of Istanbul. Congratulations on the film. It's it's being released through Magnolia Pictures, mm -hmm. yeah. and you can see it there. Or you can go to the website. You can go to straymovie.com to find out how to watch it and uh, virtual, I assume virtual cinema release as well. And um, all the best on the uh, Spirit Awards. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. The film again is called Stray and we've been talking with the director and that would be Elizabeth Lowe. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music